This is Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Flames game day here on Sportsnet. It's the Sharks in town. Flames have played them twice, have lost twice. 5-3-4-1. That 4-1 game, I was looking this morning. Uh, it was a who's who for the Sharks that night. Jasper Weatherby and Yona Gadjevich. John Leonard. Santeri Hataka. <laughs> Jacob Megna. No, are you sure you're Lane not? Lane Peterson, I'm telling you. You're it not was, reading the white pages here? That was the COVID. Uh, they'd been blitzed. The coach didn't make the trip. Oof. But they strolled into the Dome and won 4-1 to that night. Flames look to uh, avenge. They'll be stuck in their cross. See what happened to Vancouver? They beat them 7-1, to and then Calgary went in and just beat the brakes off them. I'm mm-hmm. sure that's what's going to happen. Well, so they lost again, though, after that game, Well, right? Jasper Weatherby. Yeah. Get your head up. Mm. Uh, pleased to be joined, as always, in hour number two on a, on a Tuesday. I almost said Monday. On a Tuesday mm. by uh, by our buddy Stephen Brunt. Good morning, Stephen. Hey, Boom. How are you doing? We're good. We're uh, well, Sorry, uh, Stephen. We were talking about it earlier. I'm if I'm if I'm Brad <laughs> Living, I'm uh, booking a flight to Turks and Caicos. All these GMs, their work is done. There's nothing for them to do now till I guess July or whenever it's going to be this year. I I guess that the, the GMing is done, right? Yeah. Yes, there's no GMing to be done. You just sit in the well. You hope to get on TV. That's the main thing, right? You, you sit. In oh, your they love getting on TV. Look, eh? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Look look fretful or look happy or look. Don't get caught chugging a beer. Um, <laughs> That's the that's the that's the that's the goal from here. There's really nothing else to do. Um, that that's correct. That yesterday was the GMing Super Bowl. Um, it really I was. Hate, yeah. By, have I mentioned I hate trade de- trade deadline day? Yeah, I, yeah, just, I think so. Yeah. I think Dean uh, yeah. acknowledged that this morning off the air that he'd finally come to that realization too. No, you know what? It's only taking you. T- yeah. Like, what was your first clue? It's 15 think, years, I think, and he's he's here now. I was doing the again. I'm terrible at math, but it was somewhere in the neighborhood of the 15th trade deadline day that I've covered in Calgary with the Flames, yes. and yeah, it's I I don't know because I, I used to get very excited for trade deadline day. I remember as a kid in even like elementary school, it's like man, I'd come to I'd have all the trades written down. I'd be talking to my buddies. They wouldn't know who the hell any of these players are. I was very excited for it. Uh, it took a while, but apparently I'm there where it's like, I uh, I don't know. The uh, Marcus Phillips for Nelson Noje just doesn't <laughs> ring my bells like it used to, you know? Yeah. Well, that's that's prob- that's a sign maybe you're of evolution, right? Vladislav Nemestikov for a fourth in what? 2024? That's an outrageous <laughs> price. What was Dallas thinking? Yeah. Uh, it is not ju- it's not just that. It's not just the fact that, that there is people getting wound up about guys breaking trades like that um it's that if you take the slightly longer view and say look at the end of this season when the stanley cup is hoisted look back on this day and say boy they that those guys who won the cup must have had an awesome trade deadline day because that's what decides championships it it doesn't like on like you can the statistically there's a i'm trying to get the remember what the number was the number of players who've changed teams on trade deadline day who actually played for a stanley cup winner is minute yeah it it just it just so it's 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 great it's it's great it's great con it's a content day for us right it gives you something to talk about all day gives the tv networks an excuse to run well we we actually went 
two hours later than the competition this year, which I thought was a very sane decision. Uh, we started two hours later, but, but I was going to say you started later, yeah. so yeah, early bird, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure. But it doesn't it never it doesn't add up to much, you know. Like last year, we were sitting here, you know, like the Nick Felino conversation in Toronto, like unbelievable. Nick Felino, oh, uh, intangibles. But the David Savard that, conversation in Tampa, though, ooh. Well, that's but you know, like all that stuff, and then you know, that kind of added up to nothing. Right, but did nothing you, at all. But the thing is, did you know that Felino's dad played for the Leafs? So that would be part uh, yeah. of the excitement. <laughs> well, if you've you know, done Mark, your homework, yeah. I've told Mark Giordano had sleeve pajamas too. Right, he's from Toronto. Like yeah. We learned that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. That is to yeah. Is that right? Yeah. That's that's so. Yeah. It it's look again. It gets us through a day. It's fine. I I did it. I used to do it. I've done it in other forms. I when I was doing the uh, the reporters with my my buddy Mister Hodge, we used to have to sit. And wait all day to be summoned mm. to say something, you know, something pithy. Um, and there, we weren't summoned very often, but you'd sit there for <laughs> you know twelve yeah. twelve hours waiting for something. And I look, I, I look, I I make no, uh, you know, I have no illusions about my ability to actually contribute on that day because I don't care. Um, I don't know, and I don't care. But you know, it's like it's 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 kind of it's a fascinating kind of cultural phenomenon. Um, I, I kind of I wonder sometimes if it's going to run out of gas one of these days. You know, it's run out of gas with you, obviously. But well, you know what? Um, I, part of it probably not. is part of it probably is is the Flames. We knew they weren't going to do anything, so I guess on a local level, they'd made their. T- we had a lot of fun with the Toffoli deal. We talked about Cali Yarncroak and all of that, which yeah. won't mean to anything. So for here, you knew it was going to be a. Quiet a quiet day. But you know what? In terms of losing steam, I don't know that it will because, man, I, the Florida Panthers, tops in the Atlantic mm. Division, they gave up a first for Sherratt. They bring in Claude Giroux. Tampa Bay, here's two firsts. We're bringing in Brandon Hagel. The Leafs, we're giving up picks. Boston, we give up a first-round pick. There's four teams in the Atlantic. One will get out of there. Like it's a, it, it is amazing to me that still – Teams will go either in the days leading to or on trade deadline day and fire out picks with only one of them to get either out of the division, one of them to get to a conference final, let alone to the cup itself, and then hope you win. There's so many deals that are done that are just not going to amount to what you want it to be, which is getting you over the top. Well, that may, may in part be because you know, general managers' careers are finite, right? Like, like you know, picks are down the road, right? And I'd like, there's the year you pick them, and then there's when they finally make it into the league, and when they're finally significant. And by then, you know, you've either won something and have job security, or you've been fired, right? There's there's no real third option. Well, Brad for living so, yesterday, so, very recklessly giving up a first rounder in 2024, a fifth, I mean, yes, well, yeah, a fifth, a fifth. Yeah, it's in two years it, from now. Yeah, it's good. yeah. Like, well, I could be on a beach in two years, right? Yeah. So, you know, like it's yeah, it's but um, no. Look, I I I get I I get the talk and and the and the you know and I, and I I kind of I love watching the dueling insiders. That's you know like there are no monkeys involved anymore. We don't remember that Sportsnet year. I don't know if you remember when they had like the they had that guy. What what was his name? Eklund. Um, Eklund, oh, yeah, no. behind the, and he was in the dark. No, no, I don't right, remember, Stephen. No, I don't please, remember that year. Bleach this from our memory, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, and I think there was a pizza party one year with like balloons and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, we 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 don't have some of that stuff. I hope not in the archives. 
Well, okay, but here's the thing. I think you have a Leafs market issue, not a deadline issue. Perhaps. Because to have to talk about Nick Foligno is crazy, but if you'd been doing the same job in Tampa, you'd be saying, wow, back-to-back years, they've traded four firsts over three, five firsts over the last three deadlines, and they've got back-to-back cups. You'd have a different song. Yeah. No, that no, that is true. You know, that is true. And they may well win again, right? Like, it's, if you had to ask me who's going to come out of the East right now, I would pick them. Um so yes, you would say there's method in their madness, I guess, right? And and whatever whatever future is being sacrificed doesn't matter because the present is really good, whereas the Leafs only have the deep the deep deep past to reflect on. So yes, um, and they still don't have a goalie, by the way. I don't know if you. Oh, well, they've got that, lots of goalies. They, I just don't know if any are any good. Yeah. They had Harry Sateri for about yeah. an hour yesterday. I was very we were all excited about that. I loved it when he was kind of doing the lead singer stuff with Chicago there for a while. <laughs> I was a huge fan. Yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah, it's like, I, like when will we talk about Harry Sateri again? Never. Never. No, no. Never. It was, uh, we, bar- we barely, in fairness, barely talked about him in the first place, but it was kind of comical <sighs> that uh, in, in their, in, in their pursuit of goaltending to solidify the position, they picked up a guy that not many had heard of, and then they didn't get him anyway because yeah, Arizona those, swoops those, yeah. those jerks in Arizona <laughs> yeah, yeah, made yeah. a waiver claim on a guy who's never going to play just because they must hate Kyle Dubas. And right? what I like about that, because you'd have the news cycle for one day, be like, what are they doing getting Harry? Harry Sateri, who is this? Is this really what Dubas thinks is going to do it? The next day, I can't believe we're not getting Harry Sateri. How can the Coyotes <laughs> do this? What's up with this Coyotes? Like, the hell, re-entry waivers. Maybe it's the media. Maybe we're the ones to be blamed <laughs> for it. Jim Lee that way. Right. Yeah, maybe we should look in the mirror. You're yeah. correct. What's the good, though, is that TSN and Sportsnet wouldn't have spent a lot of money to bring in people and do a, There was a lot of hours and hours oh, of I was live thinking about TV. the queue just to do hair and makeup yesterday. Goodness. Yep. Yep. It's, uh, it's, it is a make-work project. That, but in a, it, it, keeps the, it keeps the insiders off the streets. But similarly, almost like general <laughs> managers, you do it because if you don't, you're afraid of being left out and being left behind. How many general managers did stuff yesterday, shipping out players or prospects or picks, only to look as though they're involved and trying to make their team better? Yeah. If, was, if you guys, if TSN yeah. does their thing, and but you guys don't do it, well, you're you know you're admitting defeat. You're just kind of well. Here you go. Take all the. I don't know. I guess you have to do it. I think you have to do it. And I think from the GM point of view, there is a performative aspect to it, yes. I've talked to my, my friend, Mr. Burke, about that occasionally when, when I was working on the book, you know, because he, he had a lot of theories um, about trade deadline. Day. Oh, we've heard of them, yeah. Mm. Have you heard any of those? Well, he yeah, used but to, uh, most of them were, <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. do a don't deal on trade deadline day, mostly, right? Yeah, mostly it was, uh, he. I've talked to Gary Batman, and uh, he confirmed to me that they're only giving away one Stanley Cup this year. Oh-ho! So all of these deals are, uh, it's going to work for one team. So, yeah, we're familiar yeah. with, uh, with the yeah, story. Brian has said that. Yeah, Brian has said that a couple of times. But he, yeah. I think he, you know, I, I believe, and I don't want to misquote him, believe me, um, that he said, yeah, that he felt like guys started doing stuff on the day just to kind of get on the scroll, right? So, you know, kind of meaningless, semi-meaningless transactions just mm-hmm. to show that they, they weren't asleep. And again, the dumb media thing is we, by the time the day is done, before we go off air, all right, who won and who lost? So yes. if all of a sudden you didn't do anything, well, you, you must have lost, Right? Yes. It, when, in, when in the end, it's probably the smartest thing you could have done, depending on what was available. Do you want to give up a first for an average player? Well, we could do that, but it makes no sense to do it, so we're not going to. Hmm. 
well, you didn't do anything to make your team better, so you're a loser on trade deadline day. It's mm -hmm. it is yep. a weird exercise. We don't need to spend any time. Can we time. talk baseball? I'm done. I know with Ryan this is frothing now. at the at oh the mouth. Yeah, let's about, talk baseball. Uh, you had a half million viewers or a grapefruit league game on the weekend. That's nuts. I don't know. Hazel There's might be fudging the numbers, but the people are excited about this team. Why are you saying about there Hazel? Is, is she alive? No, I just think you know it's it's these PR people. Why would she be her numbers? Fudging the numbers. Uh, that Trust can't be right. Hazel. A half million. I trust Hazel. It, it could be right. There's a lot of pent up. Now it's it's funny when you you know you get all excited about watching Grapefruit League baseball, and then when you actually watch one of those games, um, they're not that great. Three right? innings is about all you need. Yeah, yeah. Because then the guys who are like number ninety seven come in, and you say, "Who <laughs> who's he?" Um, or if the you know if the, your your team is playing on the road, they only have to bring two real guys with them. Like that's the rule. You have to bring uh, two. Humans, two guys yeah. who are actually major league players, yeah. So <laughs> you know, if you wonder why you know the Jays are playing the Orioles and there's you know Bo Bichette and one other guy and everybody else you've never heard of, that's why because the guys don't want to get on the bus, and and, um, and of course they can get their work done elsewhere. So uh, yeah, it's uh, the first one is always great because it's just baseball, and especially after the lockout. It's boy, let me, I just want to see somebody playing baseball, it, you know. But it's, this is going to be a like because this is a compressed spring and. You know, we're, we're a little over two weeks from opening day. Um, yeah, I think people, and all, most of these games are on, like, like people may well watch. There's, there is, look, there's legitimate, a lot of legitimate enthusiasm about the Jays this year. Um, it's funny, though, I keep, you know, running into this, you know, when we, this idea that, you know, boy, they better solve that second base issue before the season starts. Or, you know, like they, they have never had. They, I don't think they've ever gone into a season with fewer questions than they have right now. Which doesn't mean they're going to win because stuff goes wrong, and you know, people get hurt and people underperform, and there's stuff that's unpredictable. But you know, you talk about the on paper part. You know, on paper they are complete, and you, you know, you're they're complete without Jose Ramirez at second base. He'd be great, but you know, you don't have to do everything, and you know, you have a whole season, and you have the baseball version of trade deadline at the end of July. Um, you know, that's they, like there's there's really, you know, there's no kind of thing you can look at this team and say, well, boy, the starting, but the starting pitching, but the bullpen, but the offense, but the defense. You know, they're not they're not great defensively in the outfield. Um, that's about it. That's all I got. What about Nate Pearson? I know this is kind of a big season, a calendar year for him. There was so much hype, and then injuries and everything else. Of course, it's because of the news cycle everyone's talking about Nate Pearson what's your what's your feel on where he's going to be in say a year from now well i think well let's put it this way this year he's going to he's going to start with the big league team which is actually you know was a question um you know whether he would be the opening day starter in buffalo get stretched out get into a rather you know normal starters routine and then he would be the first guy up or he could displace somebody if he's pitching really well and you know they've they've decided it it would appear um to keep him in the bullpen to start the season where he will be a swing man and he could pitch some high leverage innings. He could pitch multiple innings. Um, but he's also, I think kind of the, your de facto six starter right now, maybe your seventh starter. You get stripling there as well. And with the schedule, the way it is this year and the short spring, it's going to grind up starters. So you're probably going to use your sixth starter and your seventh starter before the first, you know, six, seven weeks of the season are up. Um, yeah, I, I, he's just had a lot of bad luck, you know. It's I know people want to look and say that he's you know injury prone, but if they're they're all different injuries. And you know, the the good thing is that none of them have been arm injuries except when he got hit by a line drive and broke his arm, which is not a pitching injury. 
So they, you know, the I guess the you know he had the sports hernia the last year, had the surgery mm-hmm. in the off season to correct it. I, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I think look, and and in the meantime, Alec Manoa just kind of passed him in terms of uh, starting pitching prospects in the organization. Like Manoa pitched yesterday for the first time in the spring, he looked like he did last year, like a guy who belongs. Just looks like he's, and and it hasn't been that easy for Nate, but you know he's an elite arm. Um, you know, if there was a look, if there was a trade for Jose Ramirez. He might be part of it, um, but I think there's a ton of value there still. You know, like watching him yesterday. You know, watching him in that game against the Tigers, he's striking guys out like it's his. It was his breaking ball. It was a slider, not the hundred and three. It you know he's he's got a really good breaking ball. There's a reason people are excited about him. So yeah, if that you know if he's kind of your backup plan right now, you're in a pretty good spot. The one thing that I found unusual was that. He had been a guy that had great control his whole career, and then he got up to the bigs, and all of a sudden the walks per inning went, or the walks per nine went through the roof. Yep. Is that, do you see that as someone that maybe the stage is part of the issue more than anything else? Because it's, it just didn't profile with the rest of the back of his baseball card. His, yeah, I think, I think it was in part a confidence issue. Like, I, you know, don't want to read too much into it. Um, but I think, and, and because I, you know, I think being not 100% healthy was something he had trouble pitching through pitching around which you know he's not the only guy that's had that issue um and i think you know and again i think the contrast with manoa who just kind of walked out there and said i belong i you know i'm I'm a big league starter i don't care who you are i'm let's go and and nate is a you know they're different guys you come from very different backgrounds um nate is a you know he there's been a lot of investment in his career by his family um there's been a lot of coaches and a lot of tech people working with him you know right from the start and uh you know i i i I think it's possible you overthink sometimes in situations but that's again i think that's why they want him i think they want him facing big league hitters because he's not going to learn anything against triple a guys um they want to put him in situations and they want to maybe take away i'm guessing they're going to try and kind of take away some of that okay you're starting tomorrow working through the game plan, talking to the catcher, working with the pitching coach. Just have him say, okay, you're, you're up and you're going in and, and see what happens and just to kind of allow him to be free. I, I think that's got to be part of the theory here. So do you see him as sort of like that Andrew Miller role that we saw with uh, the old Cleveland team in the postseason, like come in, wipe out six, seven, eight batters, and then we'll see you in three days kind of thing? I guess with Miller in the I playoffs, they, it was I, more than that, but yeah. Yeah, I think they'd love that. Um the other, but the other thing is, Ryan, like, you know, like, like everybody starts with a five-man rotation, but by the end of a season, like I remember one year the Jays went through what sixteen guys, I think, who started games that included openers and stuff. That was that bad. I think that was the, the year when Charlie said it was going to be an opener and a guy the next day, but he didn't literally. It was the Trent Thornton is your ace year, if I'm correct. But yeah, so it yeah. can, you know, so they should be better than that. But yeah, Nate Pierce isn't going to start. He's he's going to start games this year at some point. I, I think just because of you know because of attrition, so but I you know but if, yeah look if he could fill that role, um, and you know you got like you know the other guy is like you know Julian Mer- Merriweather I know you like you don't want to you knock on wood every time you say his name, but if you know if you have those two arms in your pen as as not you know not necessarily in a closing role or even in a setup role but just hey we can bring them in, um, you know that's and obviously Romano at the back end but. They, they, they've got like the bullpen last year was a big issue at the beginning of the season, obviously, and it cost them games and it cost them a playoff spot in the end. 
this is a way better, even with the volatility of relievers. You know, and the you know the notion that maybe Adam Simber isn't the guy you had or you know, that showed up last year, or Trevor Richards. You know, you're going to have to shuffle some guys around, but you know they they're just there's not a lot of wing and a prayer stuff here. You know, there's no Raphael Delis where you just hope, right? This the there's a, there's a lot of talent there right now. Is it hurting that you're not uh, you're not there? Why aren't you there? I am. Feels I'm like still there's a hoping. lot of people there. Uh, I'm still hoping. Feels I'm like still hoping here. there's yeah. th- there's still an outside chance. Um, I may know by the end of the day. Oh wow! Well, so, that staff we'll at the cigar bar needs their tip money. They're they're missing. They now. do, and I haven't since two years, right? Since I've seen my good friends there. And it's warm down there, apparently. Bark, we had Bark around the other day. He was complaining about how hot it was. Oh. He was do, he did a radio hit from his car in a parking lot. <laughs> Hazel was shopping. Yeah. He couldn't, he couldn't turn the air conditioning on because it came through the mic. So he's like, you know, like, you know when people get charged by the cops for leaving their children in a car in a parking lot? <laughs> like that was Bark, Barker was staring out the window with sweat pouring down his head and headphones on it at, at passersby. No one smashed the window out because someone left <laughs> Not, their dog? <laughs> That's exactly right. That's what I kept thinking. You know, somebody reporting reporting Hazel for locking him in the car. Anyway, yeah. it's apparently very warm down there. Oh, that awful. would that would be yeah, yeah it's awful. Steven, so, there's we'll been see. there's been worse things happened in parking lots in Jay's Spring Tree. All right, thanks, Steve. Oh, well, stop uh, it. That's twice. It is. That's twice in one show. I this work poor with guy. Every day, Steve. I'm here every day with this. <laughs> Have a good one. We'll uh, talk to you on Friday. See you, boys. Yes, Stephen Braun. Ah, look at the time. We'll go and check in with our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli. He was very busy yesterday. The uh, We'll pick up the pieces on trade deadline day with our NHL insider coming up. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're locked on Boomer in the morning. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We get into it with our NHL insider, Frank Saravelli, brought to you by South Trail Exports. Inventory shortages across the city. Now is the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. Frank, how's the exhaustion? Long day yesterday. I'm worried about you. Yeah, I had some red wine. I mean, it was only a gallon. Not a big deal. Yeah, just, you know, pour some wine on it. Seems to work, right? See, that's the thing about boxes. Uh, They stack easily. You can rip right through them. That's right. Good for you. Oh, no. Yesterday it called for a good one. No, no boxes. Yeah, good stuff. So, I mean, do you uh, – because your role changes. I, I'm thinking over the, over the years you've been at uh, – you've had many different hats. You've been with different networks and uh, mm-hmm. media outlets and that. You, you had a lot of bases to cover yesterday. Tell us about how your day kind of came together. Yeah, our, our stream yesterday was three and a half hours commercial-free. Uh, so there was a lot going on. Um, nice to put a stake in the ground and do something a little different on the digital end and do it on YouTube and stream on Twitter. Definitely different, but it was fun and the reaction was, was pretty good. So, uh, all in all a good day and, uh, lots going on. You know, it's amazing how it lingers into last night. I'm pounding out a tweet at 1120 last night about Evgeny Dadnov. Yeah. And that insider cam was a bit of a hit, too, before we move on. I know that uh, people like to see you hammering out texts, apparently. Slightly creepy, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, you know, so, some would call it creepy, yeah, I mean, perhaps. Difficult to uh, to do all those, like, when you're trying to break trades and you're trying to get info and you're trying to host and, and do, on, you know, I guess on air, whatever you want to call it, to be on. It, it's a lot. 
for uh, for a young guy. I thought you handled it very well. Very good. Well done. Oh, thanks. Yeah, the insider cam, uh, I don't know. I just was constantly in fear that my mic wasn't muted and or that like at some point I was going to be like caught, I don't know, brushing my nose or something, Digging picking out, my nose. Yeah. You got yeah. brushing. That's what I'd say too. Yeah. Yeah. Dig out boogs every once yeah. in a while. It happens to all of us, buddy. Don't feel bad. That's it's real so. life. Yeah. That's real life. Now, I guess very quickly, let's go to the Dadnov thing because it looks like it's still kind of up in the air. Very weird that somehow Vegas wouldn't know what kind of no move protection one of their players has in that they traded to get him and then traded him away. What's the latest with Vegas and Anaheim and Dadnov? Yeah, this is a situation that was still unfolding well into last night. Um, if you notice, the Dadanoff trade was not part of the approved list of transactions, yet at some point, right about 7.30 Eastern, the two teams sent it out, so they had been given conditional approval from the league and central registry. But the problem is the player was contesting the clause, and – I fully appreciate that. You know, at some point, someone somewhere is going to make Evgeny Dadnov out to be a villain here. But at the end of the day, this, this blame and responsibility ultimately lies with the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, the, the narrative that came out out of last night, you know, just from talking to different people around the league, is that the Golden Knights are claiming that when they traded for Evgeny Dadnov last July – that they did not receive his 10-team no-trade list from the Ottawa Senators, which still travels with him as part of the transaction. Now, it was submitted properly, and there's no dispute about that, by his agent last June before the July 1 deadline to the Sens. The fact that the Golden Knights didn't get it and could see in plain language in his contract that he has the clause and that everyone else knew he had the clause, yet said that they just didn't have the form, well, that's on them. You can't just turn around and make a transaction and trade him and shrug your shoulders and say, well, we didn't know we didn't have the form. That's not how it works. The ultimate responsibility is on you. So that's sort of what's playing out. And this becomes a a larger contractual issue for it should become a larger contractual issue for the league in that there can be no situation here now where the Vegas Golden Knights sit back and say, well, what if Evgeny Dadanoff decides to waive his no trade now? First off, the form of him officially signing and waiving the no trade was not submitted to the league before the 3 p.m. deadline on an official basis. And second, he shouldn't be put in this spot where he has to just because you didn't know. The Anaheim Ducks were on his 10-team no-trade list. Fact. Yeah. So moving forward, the league, it, it, they can't put Dadnoff or, frankly, any other player in the future in this pressure-packed position now where the Vegas Golden Knights have a salary cap issue riding on whether this trade goes through or not. It can't be on him to help bail them out now. Hmm. And then if, depending on how it goes, then he's got to go back to that Vegas team that, A, wants him gone and is fighting hard to get him gone because they need that cap space. If he, Like you say, he's the villain then if he basically just flexes the muscle that he was contractually awarded. It, it is a, 
it's not good. And I get, he shouldn't have to flex any muscle now. Yeah. Like it shouldn't be any. It shouldn't. It shouldn't come down to him at all. It's just simply, what does the contract state, and how was it handled? Because now think about the next player if this ever pops up again that's in this spot. Does he have to do whatever Evgeny Dadnoff did? It can't. It can't come down to that. It has to be what does the language say and purely make a ruling based on that. There can't be any, well, you know, he, he has agreed to waive now after the fact. Yeah. You're right. It's not only did they want him gone, they paid a second-round pick to make him gone. So to, to then stay, it's incredibly awkward because then they're not only that, but their cap situation is, is screwed up. The math doesn't work as they want to then activate players off of LTIR. And then the other part of it is, if he were to go, he's going to an Anaheim team that was specifically on his 10-team no-trade list where he apparently didn't want to be anyway. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on it. We can move on. Uh, everyone talks about the, the buyers yesterday. I guess, thoughts on the big sellers? Obviously, you, you talk about the Ducks. They, they sold off a lot. I remember we were talking about it. If they're out of a playoff, you know, do they, do they end up selling everybody? Does Ricard, Raquel, and... Hampus Lindholm and Matt, does everybody leave? And uh, they all left. And there were some pieces that came in, but the Ducks were big sellers. Montreal, they sold off. Seattle did what they did yesterday. Obviously, it's a little bit easier when you're, a, when you're an expansion team. What did you make of the work that the sellers did? And were there any other teams that you thought should have been bigger sellers that didn't? Serious question. Does Seattle know that the expansion draft was last year? I know. Like, these are all the trades that needed to be made after the expansion draft ended. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I mean, they're in a tough spot moving forward. I don't know. Like, they're already struggling this year. Now you've traded away a bunch of pieces. How are you possibly going to make an improvement heading into next year? Um, with regards to the Ducks, you know, I think they're also in a tough spot. And, and I'd imagine that their players probably aren't feeling too good starting out this week's schedule because they've worked their butts off this year. That team, you know, in some ways exceeded expectations, dealt with a lot of adversity, their GM being fired or resigning um, at some point for improper behavior. Um, they were in a playoff spot when no one expected them to be there well into the new year. And now all of a sudden you pry off pieces Josh Manson, Nick Delorier. Like, don't forget about the Delorier trade. I think that one was a big one from a culture perspective. Um, Hampus Lindholm, Ricard Raquel. Like, these are all guys that have been there for a long, long time. And it's not just that, but it's going to be really difficult to look at the holes in their lineup and try and figure out how they replace them quickly. Manson and, and uh, Lindholm, those are two top four defensemen. You know, I – they don't grow on trees. It's not going to be easy to turn that around in a year's time. And they're going to be in a spot where they're, as they were taking steps forward, or at least it looked to be on their rebuild, that they're now taking a couple steps back, which then brings us to the next question. And another guy that was on our trade targets board yesterday, what happens in goal with John Gibson? You know, does he want to stick around? You know, there's, you look at his play it's been pretty average relative to the rest of the league over the last three seasons. And his body language has been really poor in net. I think it's something that drives the ducks a little bit crazy. Um, you know, you see his reaction after goals and it's just not good. It, it, 
can that get better? Is that fixable, or is John Gibson going to be playing somewhere else? What you make of the work by uh, new GM in Vancouver, Patrick Calvin? Well, I think Vancouver fans were at least hoping for a little more. Like they, they were like, are we going to really begin remaking this team? I think they were disappointed in the return for Tyler Mott, only getting a fourth. You know, you, you work in that market media-wise and you talk to people and it's clear how much they really value or it sometimes feels like overvalue their players and what they were talking about for Tyler Mott. You know, leading into the deadline, you know, some people were saying, oh, the, the Canucks are only going to trade him if they can get a top 40 pick back. And there's like, it's not really how the market works. Um, so, you know, I thought there was some really smart moves, a shrewd move over the weekend and moving Travis Hamannick, um, and, and getting off of that contract and then, you know, doing it and getting a third round pick back from Ottawa, I thought was a great fit. Um, then, you know, you're also adding Dermot, uh, at half the, the cap cost. So I, you know, all in all, they did what they had to do. I think they were tinkering or talking about a lot of different larger transactions, including some that went into Monday. I think there was conversation about Connor Garland with uh, a couple different teams, one out East in particular, and it just didn't materialize. And that was kind of their mantra heading in anyway. It was the only guy we really have to make a decision on is Tyler Mott. They made it. They didn't re-sign him. He goes for a fourth. And the rest of it, Brock Besser, Garland, everyone else, you know, those decisions are all going to wait now until the summer, which they probably should have been when you can engage a larger market of teams. What was You weren't the only guy to note it, but uh, it, it sounds like Travis Hamannick will, will not be missed, or at least the, the space he occupied might be uh, that's some fresh air all of a sudden. Yes. Um, and I don't know the proper way to explain it. And frankly, it's not even my business, but I did get a few messages from players on that team saying, wow, we are so happy that this guy's gone. So I don't know if it was just a personality fit. I don't know if it had anything to do with uh, his vaccination status that lingered throughout the year. You know, whatever it is, he seemed to be in and out of the lineup in Abbotsford, not reporting to Abbotsford. It was kind of a whole mess that I think the Canucks were happy to not just wash their hands of it and, and also with that contract for next season at $3 million, but to get off of that and get a third-round pick, I, I probably could not have worked out any better for Vancouver. It's an odd one because I think to a certain extent, uh, well, and, and we know things didn't end all that well here as the Flames' a playoff team went into the bubble and he opted out because of... And at, at that, I guess at that time, we didn't know as much as we know about COVID then as we do now and all of that. But I think that uh, I think there was a bit of a sour taste in some people's mouths here that uh, that he elected not to play. So this was a guy that for a long time was, I think, very well thought of. And now all of a sudden he's uh, he's mm-hmm. getting, he's getting raked a little bit. But like you say, well, I mean, you just compare and contrast the two things and certainly understand and appreciate anyone that had any underlying health symptoms in their family. But I think to have those and be so vocal about it, and then to two years later be unvaccinated, like it just, the whole thing was odd. The Dallas Stars look to be in a really good spot. Vegas is scuffling the uh, the Stars now. They've got six and four in their last 10. They have four games in hand on Vegas, just trail them by a single point. Uh, two teams looking like they're going in opposite directions. We thought this... 
you're going to see Joe Pavelski. We're going to see a lot of stuff maybe come out of Dallas, and instead they they're they're holding strong for for a playoff spot. I don't think Winnipeg gets there. I don't think Vancouver gets there. But do you think Dallas obviously sees what we're seeing and they're going to catch and surpass Vegas here? That's their plan. I mean, they're they're thinking they're a playoff team, and in fact, I'm actually a little bit surprised that they didn't add more. You know, I think they were talking about a, a number of different defensemen. I think. Obviously, there's some concern with, with Heiskanen and his mononucleosis, although it seems like he's getting a little bit closer, starting to skate. Um, they keep Klingberg, obviously, and they were trying to add. That's why they created some cap flexibility with Sekera going on waivers. They were thinking, what can we do here? They end up just with uh, Vlad Nemesnikov for a fourth-round pick, and they did add a third goalie in, in Scott Wedgwood, um, who's actually been pretty good in Arizona this year. But other than that, you know, maybe not really as much surprise or intrigue heading into um, the deadline for them because they had sort of made their declaration internally. We're keeping Klingberg. We're re- we, they re-signed Pavelski and took that off the table pretty quickly. Um, Holpe, you know, when they were looking at that situation, obviously he wasn't moving um, with Hudobin hurt. So it, it kind of was pretty, a lot of the decisions were made for Jim Nell with the way that his, has, his team has played. It's going back like seven weeks now, really since February 1st, they've been one of the hotter teams in the league. What about here in Alberta? We knew that yesterday was likely going to be quiet. Maybe the Flames will go out and get a depth defenseman yesterday. They instead get a forward after oddly losing Richardson on waivers. But nonetheless, uh, Ryan Carpenter comes in. They do not get an extra defenseman, but their deals were done, obviously, with Yarncroke and Toffoli. And uh, your thoughts on what Edmonton took care of uh, yesterday just as we get set for a good finish here in Alberta? Yeah, it should be good. I mean, I like the Carpenter addition. He's actually pretty sneaky, reliable in terms of everyone I talked to in Chicago, like they had nothing but good things to say about him. When he's out there, you don't have to worry. Um, Sort of the consummate fourth line player. Uh, He works, he competes, he can do a lot of different things. And, you know, for a fifth round pick, it's incredibly reasonable. I know everyone gets, you know, tied up and, um, you know, up in arms about, what round to pick is, but you know, pretty much once you get past the second from like the third to the seventh, any player in that range has more or less an equal chance to make it, you know, somewhere like 6%. So a fifth in most days, isn't any different than a third, isn't any different than a seventh. Um, you know, so it's, it's funny to watch people sort of get twisted in a pretzel talking about it uh, leading up to deadline day, but Carpenter is going to be a nice little addition there. And, um, for Edmonton, I think they were probably hoping they, they knocked off all the things on their list that they wanted to do. Brett Kulak, they were tied up a little bit with their salary cap situation. Couldn't afford some of the more expensive players on the board. Um, you know, with someone like a Letty or someone like Calvin DeHaan, their cap hits simply didn't work. Even if, there was a retainment factor and I don't think they wanted to pay the cost to retain. So, you know, at least a big cost to do that with Kulak, you guys know him well. Um, I thought it was really cool yesterday when he just relayed the story of FaceTiming his dad. Um, You know, his dad was out on the farm and, you know, just was so excited. Stony Plain, Alberta going home and, um, you know, is going to get a chance to, to go on a decent little run here with the Oilers if they can do something. So, 
Uh, Kulak and his family are excited. Conditional second-round pick. I think some people felt like that price was a little bit high. Uh, that was the ask from Montreal heading into it. I wrote it two weeks ago. They're not interested in trading Brett Kulak unless they can get a second. So that's what it ended up being. And the Broussard one is the one that really surprised a lot of people. Uh, a 2023 fourth-round pick. But the sense was that Derek Broussard wasn't really all that interested in getting traded. So I don't know if there was a convincing factor that went in there where maybe there were some calls made, but he was a guy that seemed to be pretty comfortable in Philly. And they add a a depth piece who watching the Flyers all year long, he's actually played really, really well when he's been healthy and has gotten back to the level that he was actually at a few years ago. So he's turned back the clock a bit. The only thing is, can he stay on the ice? And if he can, that's a pretty decent pickup. We'll see the Sharks tonight here in Calgary. They suddenly have three goalies. What do you see as the plan moving forward after they subtract Middleton and add Kakinen? I was surprised that when they added Kakinen, who, by the way, his numbers are really good, that they didn't also then unload one of the other two. Maybe that's a deal that's going to take place later. Maybe they couldn't find the market for them, but feels kind of like a crowded crease for a team that has no playoffs really at least mathematically so um i was a little surprised about that middleton um you know to trade him for kakinen obviously it was oddly enough the only real hockey trade we had two players that are under team control and it feels even funny to saying to say that's a, a true hockey trade but um in this case um Middleton is a guy that probably flew a little bit under the radar this year playing 22 23 minutes a night is a guy that more or less came out of the clear blue sky played a number of years for the Barracuda and the AHL and their ask was also high and instead of getting the second round pick that they were looking for they end up getting a goalie in Kakinen that they can either keep or potentially flip later on down the line the funny thing about Kakinen is that he was, to my knowledge, actually involved in the trade for Marc-Andre Fleury going back to Chicago. And Chicago had said earlier in the week, I think it was on Friday as they were talking about this, no, we don't want Kakinen. And so as they got through it, I think the Wild arranged the deal to send Kakinen to San Jose. And then by the time they got to the end of the deal, they were like, oh, by the way, we want Kakinen. Like, Sorry, he's, he's going somewhere else. So it's just odd to see how that played out. Sorry, I didn't. My God, looking at the division, we've talked about it a little bit here. You look at Florida; they they spent some picks. They Big bring time. in Sherratt. They bring in Claude Giroux. Tampa Bay two firsts to address their depth. The the Rangers add Boston moves out a a first rounder. And I guess that moves on because Hampus Lindholm will be there beyond this year. Colorado adds Toronto. Geo Toronto. Yeah, there's you still come back to it that teams spent some picks and prospects and there's very few that are going to make it out of even round number two, let alone round one. It's a big prices to pay here this year. Yeah, but I, I actually, so many people were, were crying about what Toronto did and why didn't they do more. And I felt like when you look at that circus going on in the Atlantic and frankly, when you look at, really how tough the East is in general. The only team that really didn't get better at all was Washington. It's a tough spot to be in if you're Toronto and you're trying to plug three different leaks that you have on your roster. 
you know, it was the goaltending. It was their second pair defense. It was trying to improve their forward group, you know, potentially trying to get an impact winger. Like those are all hard things to do at one trade deadline, let alone when everyone else in your division that you're entering any playoff series with, you're probably starting as an underdog to do it and, and add in a significant way. And, and you don't want to spend your first round pick and your top prospect to do it, given all those situations and circumstances. So I felt like it was a somewhat reasonable response from the Leafs adding Mark Giordano for, and Colin Blackwell, it ends up being two seconds and a third. And the third they already got back for, for Travis Dermott. So essentially being ends up being two seconds for Giordano and Colin Blackwell. And Blackwell is going to fit perfectly on their fourth line. There were question marks about not, not only Wayne Simmons, but also Jason Spezza. How are these guys holding up? Um, and so Giordano is sort of the perfect addition for a second round pick you know you improve your back end I think the knock on him has been and you guys would have seen this up close and personal is that he's lost a little bit of a step but the way I view his game and the way that I think he'll settle things down he doesn't take any unnecessary risks like he's not the guy that's giving up the home run ball all the time you know you watch him especially at the blue line like he's not making a pinch for a puck that he knows 100% he's getting you know, there's no 50-50 plays with him that I think you end up losing. And so the skating part of it, I think, is is, is a, of mild concern. But you're looking to get through the next two months plus, not necessarily the next two years. So I feel like that changes the calculus a little bit, see how that plays out. And in response to all those other teams that really loaded up and spent, well, you haven't really improved your team's chances, but at the same time, you certainly haven't taken away from your team's ability to try and do something when it's all said and done. Get some sleep, Frankie boy. You deserve it. Appreciate you. Thank you guys. Have a good one. Talk to you next week. There he is. Frank Cervalli, our NHL insider brought to you by South trail exports. Inventory shortages remain across the city. It's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. We'll react to a bit of what we had there with Frank. Also, Flames game day. Will we see those massaged lines that we saw against the uh, the Vancouver Canucks? Will they show up again tonight on home ice? We'll get into it. Coming up, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.